Aren't you glad you're part of a church that recognizes the good of America that it has been and has a heart for patriotism and recognizing men and women who have served in our military? Not only our military, but also we want to recognize police and firemen and medical professionals and uh, emergency responders. Um, we really appreciate what you're doing and what you have done, and we thank you for your service. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you asking you to have, have uh, the Spirit of God to teach us what you would have us to learn today. There, there are so many activities going on. This is a very busy weekend. We pray we might separate our minds from all those activities, Lord, and just focus on who you are, what you've done for us, and the promises you have for us. Bless our study in the word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The Old Testament is largely a history of God's chosen people, Israel. From time to time, some of Israel's leaders would gather the nation, or at least the, the nation's leaders together, and there they would rehearse and rehearse uh, and recite the history of Israel, and uh, they would remind Israel over and over again of the fact that when Israel as a nation is obedient to God, that God blesses them. And when they are not obedient to God, that God's discipline or his chastisement, even curses, will come upon the nation. To begin, would you turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 27? Deuteronomy chapter 27, follow as I read verses 1 through 6. This is a dissertation by Moses. Moses is at the end of his life. He knows that he is going to go up on Mount Pisgah and there God is going to take him. But before he departs Israel, before he uh, goes to his burial place, he makes this, this dissertation, this, uh, this speech to the nation of Israel. And part of his speech is in Deuteronomy 27, verses 1 through 6. Would you follow as I read, please? Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when you shall pass over the Jordan unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set thee up great stones. I want to emphasize that. We're going to be speaking about stones this morning. And plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in unto the land which the Lord thy God gives thee, a land that flows with milk and honey, as the Lord thy God of thy fathers has promised thee. Therefore, it shall be when you be gone over Jordan that you shall set up these stones which I command you this day in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster, and there shalt thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones, thou shalt not lift up an iron tool upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. Would you turn over to chapter 28, 
Verses 1 and 2, chapter 28 of Deuteronomy says, It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Jump down to verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall, shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So this address by Moses, a recitation of the history of Moses and a reminder that God will bless those who are obedient and God will bring curses upon those who are disobedient. And he takes these large stones and sets them up as a symbol of remembrance. So um, when, when Israel defeated the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17, Moses built an altar of stones, an altar as a symbol of remembrance of what God did for his nation. In Joshua chapter 4, and we're going to stay near Joshua chapter 4 for a little bit. If you'll turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. After God delivers Israel from Egypt, after God brings them across the Red Sea, after God delivers them through the wilderness and across the River Jordan, and now God's people Israel are actually in the promised land. And in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, we read this. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm. Take twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you. Skip down to verse 6 now. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. So Israel is across Jordan. Israel is in the promised land. And the purpose of this memorial was so that the people would understand what God did for them and that the generation would teach future generations about the great things that God had done. And, and, and the purpose of the stones so, was so that the Israelites would not forget the mighty hand of God that brought them through. Look down to verse 13. Four, uh, 30 in Joshua chapter 4. Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel, an altar of whole stones. Again, we see stones, an altar of stones, symbols of remembrance of God's victory over Amalekites, the God's victory over Ai, of God's victory over the Egyptians, of God's victory through the wilderness, of God's victory through the, the Jordan River. 
And, and, and these stones are set up as symbols of remembrance, of memorials of what God has done, and also to, to, to help Israel understand how important it is that they teach succeeding generations about the mighty hand of God. In Joshua 22, before Joshua dies, just as Moses did, Joshua also gathers the Israelites together at Shechem. He recounts the success of Israel in defeating the inhabitants of Canaan. And he reminds them that by God's hand, they reclaimed the land that God had promised to Abraham. So along with their historical reminder, Joshua exhorts Israel to observe strict obedience to God's law. Joshua 22 verses 4 and 5 says, And now the Lord your God has given rest unto your brethren, as he promised them. But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you. So along with an exhortation to obedience, Joshua then erects this symbol of remembrance that was visibly placed as evidence of God's promise of obedience to God. Let me read verses 24 through 25 in Joshua, in Joshua 24. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall therefore be a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. Again, a great stone set up as a symbol of remembrance. So throughout the Old Testament, you frequently come across uh, this occurrence. Frequently come across where significant events happen, and the leader at the time will remind the Israelites of what God did, and then will proceed to set up an altar or a monument of remembrance. I'd like to bring to your attention, if I can do this, what I'm supposed to do. Okay. I didn't do what I'm supposed to do, apparently. There we go. Yeah, I, I bring these pictures because these are sort of representatives of what these altars might have looked like when the Israels, uh, Israelites defeated the Amalekites. When the Israelites had their victory at Ai, they built an altar of stones, and that altar was a, to be a permanent reminder of what God did. And they were used to the altar as a reminder to teach their children of what God did. And then there's also... All right, Justin, can we have the next picture, please? This is the part that, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah, here's an altar of 12 stones. Now, as I read the passage from Joshua, the 12 men were selected, one from each tribe of Israel. And as they went across the Jordan on dry ground, it was flood stage, but they went across the Jordan on dry ground and each of these men picked up a large stone and carried it to the promised land across the Jordan and into, into uh, the promised land. And there they erected this large stone uh, made of uh, 12 large stones as a, a remembrance and a victory 
a sign of victory for what God did for them. These symbols of remembrance. For all of us, I think, there is always the danger that what we do not intentionally remember, we will unintentionally forget. We all need symbols of remembrance lest we forget great events and great significant events that happen in our lives. You know, this idea of building memorials um, is still being practiced today. This is Memorial Day weekend. This weekend, we intentionally remember the sacrifices that were made by tens of thousands of American soldiers throughout our great history. Not only sacrifices of service members, but also, as we mentioned, sacrifices that were made by emergency workers and policemen and firemen and uh, all those who responded when there was a need to respond. Hardly a generation goes by, but that we as a nation are again engaged in great conflicts throughout the world. And these conflicts involve the lives of American service members. We average about one major conflict every 30 years. And what we learn from these statistics is that our world is a broken place. Greed and power are usually the source of these great conflicts. And as a result, innocent people worldwide are suffering today. I want to conduct, as the Moses and Joshua, I want to conduct a brief history of our country. In 1775, we fought the Revolutionary War. It lasted until 1783. And in that war, 6,800 American lives were lost. There are dozens of monuments up and down the East Coast, but I bring your attention here to this particular monument dedicated to the memory of those who lost their lives in our Revolutionary War. 30 years later, we fought the British in the War of 1812. I'm sorry about this. Okay. We fought the British in the War of 1812 uh, through 1815. And on February 18th, the war ended in uh, 1815. But America lost 15,000 American lives on that time. Fifty years later, there was a national dispute that erupted over the question of states' rights and slavery. It came to a head when the Confederate States of America attacked the United States military garrison at Fort Sumter, South Carolina, April 12, 1863, or rather 1861. For four years, Americans slaughtered Americans in the bloodiest battles in our nation's history. And in the end, it is estimated that somewhere between 752,000 and 851,000 American soldiers died. That represents about 2% of Americans' population at the time. America built monuments to remember the deceased. On the screen ahead of you, there's a picture of a monument that is located outside of uh, Robert Lee's mansion in Arlington, Virginia. After the Battle of Bull Run in Manassas, Virginia, there were soldiers strewn all over the battlefield. And 
when the battle was over, eventually they picked up these soldiers and they put them together in commingled remains into this tomb that is outside the, uh, the, uh, the home of Robert E. Lee in Arlington, Virginia. But there were 2,111 soldiers from both sides who were placed together in this monument. This is only one of many monuments that have been built, symbols of remembrance, to remember what happened and what significant event took place and what it cost the lives of American soldiers. The battleship Maine blew up in Havana Harbor and we were war with Spain for four months in 1898. In that war, there were 2,000 American casualties, but mostly those casualties were from yellow fever. In 1914, 16 years later, due to the aggressive movements of Germany's leaders, their desire to extend their influence throughout Europe, they forced the United States into World War I from 1914 to 1918. Over 20 million lives were lost, 116,500 were American lives. It was supposed to be the war to end all wars. Unfortunately, it didn't, of course. And America built monuments to remember the loss, symbols of remembrance. This monument is in Washington, D.C., a monument to World War I veterans. 20 years passed. Japan attacks Pearl Harbor. Germany was again on the move throughout Europe. The U.S. was again embroiled in a worldwide conflict on two fronts from 1941 through 1945. World War II took the lives of 406,000 Americans. Again, we built another monument to remember their loss. Again, this is the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. Well, our soldiers were barely home when Americans were again called upon to defend our interests abroad. Five years later, in 1950, North Korea and China attacked our ally in South Korea, and the United States took up arms and sent our soldiers to Korea until the end of the conflict in 1953. There was a truce called. The war didn't end. It still has not ended. It ended for the time being. Another monument was erected to honor the two and a half million Lives that were lost, including 40,000 Americans who died in that conflict. Here again is the Korean War Memorial in Washington, D.C. Then, 11 years later, beginning in August 1964, America was sending troops to fight a war in Vietnam. The war went on for 11 years until 1975. In the end, there were really no winners, but over 58,000 American soldiers die, and yet another monument was constructed in their memory, symbol of remembrance. Here, I will mention that under the surface, there is another conflict that is brewing, uh, an incredibly dangerous situation that brought a worldwide global threat. 
The Cold War was a period of geopolitical tension between the United States and the Soviet Union. The threat of nuclear annihilation was front-page news from March 1947 through December 26th in 1991. Do you remember what happened December 26th, 1991? The fall of the Berlin Wall. Then... On September 11th, 2001, another call to arms was initiated, a call to fight the global war on terror. The Twin Towers in New York City, the Pentagon, and Shanksville, Pennsylvania were the first victims. On that day, there were, 50, there were 750 emergency workers who died, and 3,000 Americans died in the Twin Towers and on the ground that day. Uh, the conflict actually continues until this very day. Other monuments are now standing in remembrance of that day in September 2001. And before you, those large squares represent and are the foundation of where the Twin Towers stood before they were uh, bombed. And in Arlington Cemetery, again, there is another monument. It's a pentagonal monument uh, with the names of all the victims of uh, Flight 77, as well as those uh, men and women who were in the Pentagon when it was hit by Flight 77. And the commingled remains of all of those people whose names are on that monument are, are buried uh, in that plot in Section 64 in Arlington Cemetery. And I will say that there were five families who have never received any remains from that tragic day. Symbols of remembrance. What we do not intentionally remember, we unintentionally forget. Let me say that again. What we do not intentionally remember, we unintentionally forget. I want to draw a contrast now between the symbols of remembrance that we find in the Old Testament compared to these symbols that we have today in various monuments to Americans' fallen soldiers. When Joshua erected an altar of 12 stones after they crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, the purpose of that monument was so that the people of Israel would remember the mighty work of God that he did for them and also that they would teach their children about the great things God had done. The work of God must not be forgotten by future generations. It was God who, who parted the Jordan River at flood stage. It was God who gave them the victory over Ai, the victory over the Amalekites. It was God who opened the Red Sea and brought them deliverance from Egypt. And so when Israel defeated these nations, the, the, the monuments that they erected were for the purpose of reminding them what God did, but also to remind them that future generations must be taught about the hand of God and the work of God on behalf of that nation. I'm afraid that sometimes our stone and granite monuments will bring to memory only a part of the story for which they're intended. I think it's the right thing to do. As Abraham Lincoln said, it's altogether fitting and proper that we should do this and build these monuments. 
to, to make sure we honor those who gave their lives and sacrificed their freedom to protect and defend our Constitution. But America's grand and glorious history, America's prosperity, America's victory over fascism and communism and Nazism and the many forces that are arrayed against our nation today is because of the gracious hand of God upon us. America has been mercifully blessed. And I want to use the word has been mercifully blessed. God's mercy has been ours along with his blessings. But God has blessed us because of the sacrifices of our heroes who wear America's uniform. But when you see the Vietnam Memorial Wall, when you see the Korean War Memorial or the World War II Memorial or any of these monuments that we have looked at earlier today, you must look beyond the monuments. You must see that behind their precious sacrifice, we have to thank God for the victory he brought us because of what their sacrifices have won. We cannot see the work of the soldiers without understanding the merciful hand of God that brought these victories to us. As for the future of America, I think we have definite cause for concern. Robert Bork was a distinguished, he was a conservative scholar. He was nominated by President Reagan for the Supreme Court. But Robert Bork wrote a book called Slouching Toward Gomorrah. Slouching Toward Gomorrah. In that book, he offers a prophetic and unprecedented view of the culture in decline, a nation in such serious moral trouble that its very foundation is crumbling, a nation that slouches not towards Bethlehem or not towards Calvary, but a nation slouching towards Gomorrah. In his book, Bork highlights disturbing trends in our laws and our society, and he gives special attention to matters of sex and censorship and race relations and the relentless erosion of Americans' moral values. The thing is, that alarm was sounded 30 years ago. 30 years ago. But I think, and you would agree, that it's more rele relevant and more sobering than ever. What God said to Israel so long ago is important for America to hear today. Isaiah said, Your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Micah writes this, Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time because they have been evil in their deeds. The days in which we live have been defined as the post-Christian era. As a nation, we have strayed far from God, and I believe America is bound to pay the consequences unless there's a great revival and a repentance on the part of America. There's another conflict that has been going on since the beginning of, beginning of time. In Revelation 12, 7, it says that there was war in heaven. The forces of evil have arrayed themselves under Satan and Satan's leadership against God and against all that is good. 
But 2,000 years ago, Satan's doom was sealed. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ fulfilled a prophecy that was made all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 3, where it says, the seed of the woman, that is Jesus, the seed of the woman will crush the head of Satan. On Calvary, Satan's head was crushed. There, Jesus won the ultimate victory over sin and death and hell. And yes, there stands a monument to that victory. And lest we forget, we have symbolic remembrances of that victory so that we do not unintentionally forget the defeat of Satan and the payment for our sins, we have these symbols of remembrance. I'm not doing something right. The bread reminds us of the body of Christ that was wounded and died on the cross. The fruit of the vine reminds us of the blood of Christ that paid the debt of our sins. Symbolic remembrances. What we do not intentionally remember, we will unintentionally forget. I'm going to close this message this morning by playing taps. And on military bases, taps is sounded to signal the end of the day. But as you know, there's a more somber reason for this bugle call. A veteran of our armed forces who dies is buried with the sound of taps. When you think about it, all of us will someday have a symbol of remembrance placed in our memory. When our day is done, and when our battle of life is over, we will all go to meet our Creator. But above our resting place, there will be a marker. There will be a symbol of remembrance. It'll have our name on it. It will have dates on it. It may have other words written about what we did uh, with our life on earth, but regardless how impressive our life's work has been, what really matters for all eternity is whether you believe that Jesus Christ died to pay for your sins. The dates, and you may have heard this illustration, but those dates indicating the date of your birth and the date of your death, there's a dash that occurs between those dates. And that dash indicates the span of time that you have here on this earth. And somewhere along that dash, somewhere in that span of time, you must be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. It is a simple requirement. Confess your sins and ask Jesus to save you. Now, granted, Taps is a very unusual invitational hymn, but I think this morning it will serve our purpose. When the day is done and the battle of life is over 
and the symbol of remembrance is placed upon your resting place, I will ask you this question. Where will you spend eternity? Would you please stand with me? Would you bow your heads as I play taps? If you want to make sure of your salvation, if you want your questions answered, if you're not sure of your salvation or you're standing with the Lord, don't hesitate to come to this symbol of remembrance. Here at this sacred symbol and settle it. Settle it once and for all. Would you come as I ask you to bow your heads reverently and as I play taps?